this is kind of weird that we're up here talking and not singing. Uh, we talked about just putting it all to music and just making this like a musical Sunday, but that would be really weird. I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. <laughs> See you at the Passion Play next Easter. <laughs> anyway, so we're excited to be here this um, morning just to be able to kind of share our heart around worship and what that looks like in our own lives and just kind of, yeah, give some perspective or even maybe challenge you. Basically, um, this is this is super casual because you don't normally do this. So um, I feel super awkward because I'm not wearing a guitar right now, but I'll let it go. Um, kind of the first thing we wanted to talk to is just um, new ways that God is allowing us to worship in our personal lives right now. Uh, maybe to give some perspective to share with the world. Uh, for me personally. There's like two things I can think of that God has just been doing to transform my personal worship. One is uh, I've been really challenged over the last um, six or eight months through some of our fasting events to find more times of solitude and silence. Um, and sometimes all you get is like a little bit of time, but being intentional with what time you have to be in the presence of God. Um, and so sometimes that has been just being more intentional through silence. And then other times it's been like when I when I have time alone and I'm listening to maybe more like devotional type worship music that we would never play here on a Sunday. So that's been a really cool time just to connect with the Father. Um, and then the other, the other way that God has definitely been like transforming my view of worship um, is at my job. So for those of you who don't know, I work full time at a restaurant. Um, I don't, I'm not, I don't work here yet. But um, yeah, God has really transformed my view of how everything we do, um, you know, whether we're in the house or whether we're at work or whatever, that it can be an act of worship to God. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. So that's really transformed my view of, um, you know, how I am intentional with my time and also my attitude towards worship and what God has for us. Um, a lot of times we just get to a point in our lives where God has planned or hoped or dreamed that, you know, like we have the opportunity and the privilege So really, that's been something I've been challenged with is, you know, through the things that I have to do, that I don't want to do, it can still be an act of worship. And it's just a matter of my heart attitude towards it. Yeah, and for me, in some ways, I feel like we're in this, like, is anyone actually outside? Like, is anyone really outdoorsy? Okay, well, I'm not at all. <laughs> I, I hate to be hot. I don't want to sweat. Like, I'm not a summer person. Recently, the Lord has, like, really encouraged me to spend time outside. I usually try to do it, like, in the morning or evening, so I'm not sweating. Um, 
But I love to, like, just sit outside. Maybe that's, like, with my toddler running around. But just, like, there's something really special about just, like, putting your feet on the ground. Like, feeling the grass and, like, feeling the breeze and almost, like, we saw we sang all creatures this morning. And it's, like, this idea that, like, God made creation to worship him. So there's something really beautiful about just, like, sitting outside and experiencing his creation. And that, it, for me, I feel like has been worship. Um, yeah, and then um, also I feel like a way that the Lord has, like, really challenged me in my personal life um, in, like, seeking him in worship in a new way that's, like, outside of music. Um, <laughs> I, r- I feel like it's really been, like, nights where I can't sleep. <laughs> and so I'm just, like, sitting maybe in my living room and just, like, praying through ways that, like, I really am struggling to trust the Lord in my life. And so there have been moments like that where I feel, like, very isolated or alone, but, like, experiencing the presence of God in a new way when it might be, like, middle of the night and I'm just, like, on my knees praying to experience him in a new way. So, yeah, that is a little bit deeper, but I feel like that's, you know, also worship, too. Um, And then also, like, from our perspective, like we like to write songs and so some of that is you know the songwriting for worship music too um and there's like a challenge there (laughs) I feel like to write music from I I feel like we've always kind of had this desire to write worship music for a local church like for whatever setting we're in um but we didn't really know like exactly what that looked like um so I feel like we've kind of learned that that starts more so like in our own personal walk like what are we experiencing and then with the body of believers that we're with like what are we walking through when we get a season of like trial or we um yeah or what are we singing about and so um like one example I would say um the song in you alone that we wrote like two years ago um that chorus of that song really started from I think you wrote it more so like in a place of what he was like seeking with the Lord like I you know want to believe this about myself and who you are Um, but the verses of that song we wrote after watching the first season of the chosen series (laughs) and which is funny how like God speaks through us in like weird ways like that which I mean obviously that's about God so I guess that's not that weird but um there was like this whole scene about like how Mary encounters Jesus for the first time and how it was like this drastic life change of like, I mean, she has like almost like demon filled life and it's like darkness to like a very miraculous transformation when she encounters Jesus for the first time. And that was like mind blowing to us to see it like in a visual way. So to take that and then relate it to what we might be walking through, like what are seasons where we feel like we're in darkness and what does that look like for us? And then also how do we sing that corporately too? Sorry, I just went on a tangent about songwriting, but. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, One thing I wanted to, talk about today is like, and there's so many ways we could have gone with this, so this is very like, <laughs> try to pick some specific ways, because there's so, there's so many different things we could talk about talking about worship, um, and like, I think we're going to talk about a couple of different topics, like, what is worship, um, but, and I mean, you should do a sermon on any of these, so it's kind of, kind of trying to give some highlights of this, but 
I just wanted to read from John 4. Um, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman. Um, and obviously he calls out sin in her life. And then he's like kind of directing her out of that. But this is what he says near the end of that time with her. He says, a time is coming and even now has arrived when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking these people to be his worshipers. That's a cool That's a cool thing right there, that the Father is seeking something. And not only that, but he's seeking worshipers to worship in spirit and in truth. Um, so that's kind of, I mean, I'm going to talk about that. What, how do we worship in spirit and truth? Um, notice he doesn't say with drums and taps and worship is going, like, he doesn't say that. He doesn't even mention music. He just says spirit and truth. Um, so already, I think we, we can get so pigeonholed into seeing worship as this time, right? The 25 minutes a week that we gather together and we sing songs. Um, and that is a form of worship, but worship is so much bigger than that. So um, he says that God is spirit and his worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. So spirit. This is our heart. This is our innermost being, right? When we say we're God is spirit, but we are physical and spiritual. Um, and in that, so much that we do physically informs and directs us spiritually. Um, you just see that, you know, if you, if you stay in a standing posture, you actually feel more confident. Um, and I can tell you personally, like, days when I go and I do physical activity, I feel more energetic, oddly enough, even, you know, even getting out of bed and, and da days where I'm, like, super lazy and I, like, don't want to do anything, I just feel more lazy, right? So, like, so much of what we do physically informs us spiritually. Um, along those lines, I just want to give, um, there are actually seven postures that I know of, probably more, I, I'm not a man-eater, won't pretend to be, um, I'm going to talk mainly about two of them, and I'll kind of tell you the other ones when I'm done. But these are um, words for worship and praise that are actually postures of worship that we can learn and practice. And um, a lot of you do these things, which is awesome to see. You know, like in here, I get to see all the things you do. Don't feel awkward about that. But um, like in a corporate setting and also personally. So the first one I want to talk about is called Pauda. Anybody say Pauda? Um, it's basically a sacrifice of praise. Um, this, this word is like probably the most used um, when we talk about praise. But what, what it is is that I'm going to agree and praise even when I don't feel like it, um, which is so relevant. How many times do we come to church and we're like, I don't really feel that. I don't really feel like singing this morning. I do. And I'm, I'm the one singing, right? Um, so what this looks like, this is historically expressed by raising your right hand to state your agreement, right? Um, and a lot of times this is something that we practice doing. When we sing songs um, that are true, we're coming into agreement with um, the ways of God. This is what we do when we 
each other's story and we were encouraged by that. And so we're like coming into this thing. Um, yeah, we're sacrificing in the way of like setting aside what's going on in our lives to pray. Like we might be having the worst week ever. We might be having the best week ever. And both of both of those sides of the spectrum, um, when we're having the best week ever, oftentimes we forget to pray for him. And when we're having the worst week ever, um, a lot of times we realize our need for the Lord, but we have to set aside, we have to sacrifice that in order to pray for him. So how though, right? The second one I want to talk about a little bit more is called yada. Everybody say yada. This is, um, it literally just means hands raised. So like, hands raised. So the picture there is being disarmed, um, surrender. Um, but I think a really beautiful picture, now that I'm a parent, um, is, you know, when, when Jet runs up to me and it's, or me, it's mainly Caroline. But when he runs, you know, and he says, Mommy, Mommy, pick me up. Daddy, pick me up. Whether he's hurt or whether he just wants to be held or he just he's a great father. Um, we're reaching for him. Do that as a child, you know. So like, what a beautiful picture. Makes me want to cry as a parent. But <laughs> um, yeah, just the idea of surrender. So when we raise our hands in worship, we're informing our heart to be surrendered. Um, again, Tauda, the sacrifice of praise. A lot of times that is sacrificing our abilities in order to surrender or sacrificing what other people think of us. That's what I've learned. It's not what they really want. Um, but laying some of that down for us to be able to interact with him. Um, and I'll just kind of go through some of the other ones. Uh, there's Barak, which is like a quiet voice. This is more like humbly surrendering. the root word of hallelujah, right? It's called soul renewal. So this is like um, the picture that when I was like studying this word, the picture that I got was it says like um, clamorously singing. So like what it's just like you just can't stop it. I'm going to do it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Kind of like that just kind of overcome feeling. Zamar literally means to pluck the strings. This is instrumental worship without words. Um, We forget a lot of times that like we can worship God without the instruments. That's Psalms 3 and 6. Oftentimes we take that out and we can just be Shabbat is to shout for joy. It's literally just like a victory song. So if you like, you're in the middle of a song, like we're singing together and you just feel like you want to shout, yeah, or yeah, or like, woo, or whatever. Like there's like biblical precedent for that, um, which is cool. Like I think all the, all the ways that we express worship outwardly, um, you know, it's two things. It's informing us spiritually, 
but it's also this outward expression of what goes on in us. Um, which I feel like we could we could talk about that the whole time, but we won't if we look at time. But um, with that, like when we worship, so on the spirit side, um, three things are happening, right? We're personally commanding our souls, our bodies, and our spirits to come into alignment with God, with scripture, with what's going on. Um, We're worshiping him, so it's like giving him praise, but then we're also like holding each other up, right? So the reason we sing out loud is, yes, it's for yourself and it's for the Lord, but it's also for everyone else in the room. Um, because in times where, you know, you don't feel like it, somebody else does. And let that be an encouragement to one another. And then sometimes you don't know that your voice is being an encouragement. So when we all sing collectively and we're praising God collectively, there's a lot of things going on. Personally, towards towards the Father, and then also as a collective body, as a collective church, we're encouraging one another. Um, so that's kind of like, you said spirit and truth. Um, so on the truth side, literally we can look at this as being grounded in scripture, right? Um, so that's a challenge for us, like the songs we sing, we want them to be rooted in truth and in scripture. Um, the other half of that is we need to approach worship with honesty. So, like, all through Scripture we see this. God just wants his people to be honest with him, right? Even in Genesis 3, he says, where are you? Who knew where they were? But it was on Adam and Eve, you know, to be honest. Something was broken there. So, like, when we enter into a space of worship, we have to be honest with ourselves because it's not true worship if we're not being honest with ourselves. And sometimes that is just taking inventory on where we are, where we are personally and spiritually, and that's okay. If you're not in a good place when you walk in here on Sunday morning, we don't have to fake worship. Now, it is a good thing to participate and sing out with us and come out with our songs and sing in the rain and sing out. Um, but also we have to be honest with ourselves, we have to be honest with one another. Um, that's, that's hard to do because, again, we have to sacrifice how much, what we feel to please the Lord. Um, so, yeah. this morning um yeah it's really good um so I just wanted uh to just cover one last thing um so kind of as I was thinking through this week like you know what what does worship look like especially in the house of God right now um this time together like what 
what is sacred? What is profane? I was thinking about the story about the woman who was like pouring the perfume on Jesus. Um, and so I was like going through the scripture, reading it in Luke, and I just had this moment of like realization that there's like actually two stories that are being talked about. There's one in Luke and then there's one in John and it's actually like two different encounters, which made me feel really dumb that I guess I somehow like looped them into the same situation in my head. But one is Mary. So I'll read that one first. Um, this is in John 12. I'm just kind of starting at the beginning of that uh, chapter. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at a table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii, or denarii, whatever, and given to the poor? He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. So I'm reading through this, and I'm just kind of blown away at, like, how much Mary loved Jesus. Like, it's so beautiful in Jesus, the way that she um, loved him. And then, okay, let me jump over to Luke, too. So um, this is actually Luke 7, verse 36. Let's see what it says. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed him with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. A certain money lender who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this? Who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So both of these stories um, 
obviously are very similar. And so I'm reading through both of them. And I feel like the challenge for myself this week was like, who do I relate to in this story? Like in my life, when I come into the presence of the Lord and, and worship him, am I like the Pharisee <laughs> who am like judging and feeling self-righteous? Um, or am I like the woman who is willing to risk everything and sacrifice everything to love Jesus? Or am I like the disciple who is thinking of like all the other ways that like our time could be used, our money could be used? Or am I just recognizing who Jesus is and that he is worth it? (laughs) Um, So I think that's the biggest thing when I'm looking in both these stories is like both of these women understood who Jesus was and what he was going to do for them. And that is when they recognized like what he was worth. And so that's why they made the sacrifice that they made. So, um, yeah, I feel like kind of practically like taking in what we've read in, in those scriptures, um, I feel like the challenge is, yeah, like who do we relate to in the stories? Are we coming into the presence of God willing to sacrifice, you know, whatever it may be because we recognize who Jesus is and what he's worth? Um, like a few minutes and just kind of allow um, a chance to just respond. So there's, we'll have like two prompts, I guess. Um, And you can take this time to journal or you can just pray or write it down in notes on your phone. I don't, I don't really care how you do it, but the two prompts that we kind of wanted to, I guess, challenge you with um, first is surrender. So what are ways in your life right now that are easy to surrender to the Lord, or you feel like you've actively been in a time of recognizing you need to surrender to the Lord. And then on the other side of that, what are ways that you feel like maybe the Lord is calling you to surrender in a new way that may be really hard and challenging? So that's the first one. What are ways that you're surrendering to the Lord and you feel like he may be calling you into surrender? And then what does worship look like in your daily life? What are ways outside of this time, which this is important, but what are ways when we leave this place through your daily life that you already recognize as worship? And then what are ways that maybe you've missed that this is actually an opportunity to worship the Lord or have it as an act of worship? So, yeah, we're just going to, like, leave a few minutes for you just to kind of spend some time with the Lord and what that looks like. Maybe this is really encouraging because you experience this all the time. Maybe this is really easy for you. Or maybe this is a challenge, like how can my life look different and it be an active time of worship to the Lord? So yeah, I'll just let that be that. And then we'll um, sing a couple songs.